Ladies and gentlemen, Killing the Business Wrestling Podcast is on the air with a 60-minute time limit. The man in charge of this episode is your host, the king of New England, the father of champions, and your interim intercontinental champion, Sick Vic. Today we have, I've always loved hardcore wrestling, and right now we got someone from that field, Mr. Chuck Payne is with us today. How are you doing, sir? Doing fantastic. How are you? Very well. Thank you for asking. And I said Mr. Chuck Payne because I've seen a couple of your matches before and I do not want to piss you off. I do not want to upset you. I did not. <laughs> Mr. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Appreciate that. Appreciate that. Yeah. A lot of people found out the hard way of uh, what happens when they piss me off. So smart move. Yeah, I at least could say I tried. Yes. <laughs> I just, oh, I want to piss him off. What can he do to me? That'll, be, on, that'll, that'll be written on the tombstone. I tried. <laughs> so how would you describe your career if you could use only one word? Oof. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, yeah, that, that's. Ooh. I, uh, you know, I, I really didn't expect to go this direction. Um, my uh, my trainer when I first started back in 2013 was uh, Mike Keener, who was a ECW referee back in the late 90s. And he's, you know, he's had his toes dipped in ring of honor wwe tna he's been to japan he has his rivera jacket he's been around the world um very highly respected his uh his mindset on the business is very uh 80s style wrestling you know the territories back in the day and you know uh, less is more and you know uh, bruiser brody style hardcore matches you know the the days of the light tubes and barbed wire and thumbtacks and crazy contraptions and just doing violence for the sake of violence is not something that he has ever been a fan of, nor, nor is a lot of people in the business. You know, a lot of, you know, old timers that, you know, look at wrestling and look at the hardcore style of wrestling, the deathmatch style of wrestling, they look at it and they just don't, they don't understand it. They don't agree with it. And to be honest with you, there's a lot of guys in the deathmatch world that agree with them just as much, uh, myself included. Um, but no, I, my first five years were very, you know, 80 style, you know, tag matches, kid friendly shows, you know, up and down the East coast, you know, working for promotions that were run by Steve Carino and uh, I was working at down at MCW and they're all family friendly, you know, let's have a good time. Good guy, bad guy, clear as day, eat your vitamins, you know, say your prayers kind of style. Uh, it wasn't until I got, uh, I started getting consistent bookings up at a, a company in Hoboken and this was uh, right about that five-year mark and I had it, it had been talked about uh, the company that I was uh, debuting for I, I, that I met Mike Keener um, was ECWA East Coast Wrestling Association and I was their tag team champ for the whole time and you know uh, had a really good, uh, really good debut tag run and, and learned a lot and got to, got to share the ring with a lot of really talented individuals who helped me along the way. And um, that my, my tag team, Kyle Payne and myself, Chuck Payne, we were the Payne brothers. We were, uh, there was talks about doing a cross brand, uh, like an invasion style with another South Jersey company. Um, it was called uh, OTW, I'm sorry, OVW. Um, Matt, Matt Tremont and Jeff Cannonball, who were highly CZW deathmatch guys, uh, were their tag champs. We were the tag champs at ECWA, and there were talks about us one day feuding. Now, 
I had very little knowledge to any of the independent scene when I was growing up. Um, my, my knowledge of wrestling was what I saw on TV. If it was WWF, WCW, that's what I knew. Um, so the independent scene, I really wasn't aware of um, until I got older. And I want to say it was probably my freshman or sophomore year of high school and on YouTube and just I like the I like the music video highlight videos of wrestlers. Kane was my absolute favorite. So I'd you know come across music videos and it was all his highlights over, over the years. But on the uh, recommended videos down at the bottom, uh, I stumbled across uh, it was a, a CZW highlight video, and the the, the picture on it was uh, two guys on in the corner. One was on the top rope. One was on the bottom, getting ready to I guess toss them off. And in the middle of the ring was a shopping cart. So that caught my attention. I'm like, what the hell is that? So I clicked on it and about 45 seconds in, there's that, that clip. Uh, it was Danny Havoc tossing Matt Tremont off the top and landing on the shopping cart flat on his back. He stood straight up, sold, and then fell right back down. And I was like, holy shit. And that was the first introduction I got to CZW and then Matt Tremont. So I knew who Matt Tremont was. So fast forward, here we are. You know, that was eight years after seeing that video, five years into my wrestling career. They're talking about me tagging with Kyle and going against Matt Tremont and Jeff Cannibal. I'm seeing stars like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Never happened. So Matt Tremont ends up uh, taking over that company and had turned it into what is now known as H2O, Hardcore Hustle Organization. And he was hosting uh, a hoss fight tournament. So, you know, the 300 plus pounders, he would have a 12-man tournament one night. And there was a lot of people that were like, man, you should really try to get on that. Get on that. I didn't know how to get on it. You know, I'm, I'm very green at this point. I'm not very comfortable with reaching out to people and saying, hey, you know, you need to book me because my confidence wasn't quite there. But we ended up getting booked on the same show up in Capitol Wrestling in Hoboken. And my trainer was on the show as well. He's a referee. He's tapping me on the shoulder and he's like, hey, just want to let you know, Matt's sitting over there by the by the stage. Go go introduce yourself. I said, okay. So walked over, introduced myself. 30 minutes later, uh, I'm, I'm booked on a show. And that was a month before. And then I come, I show up. It was a, an Opportunity Knox show. And I main evented against uh, Jimmy Chondo Lion, who I've known for a few years outside of H2O. That was my first introduction to deathmatch wrestling. Um, lawn chairs, thumbtacks, Legos, you name it. Power slams on concrete floors. And the crowd chanted, please come back. Matt fell in love with it. And the rest is history. So that's been, that was three years ago. Almost, almost four now. Almost four. So, How did your first match go? Uh, my first ever match or my first match at H2O? So tell about your first ever match. First ever match. Okay. So first ever match. Um, the, the way Mike Keener uh, does his training and a lot of old school trainers, um, you got to put a certain amount of time in before you get to perform in front of a live crowd. So his deal was a year. You, you do a full year of training um, and then you can start taking bookings. Well, we ran into a situation where there was a, a local Philly guy, South Philly guy by the name of Breaker Morant. Um, every year he would do a fundraiser show at the Newman Garetti High School in South Philadelphia. And that would be a show to help raise money to give back to that school because all of his four boys were either in that school or getting ready to go 
go to that school. Every year, he'd have seven to 800 people come to that show. And for an independent show, that's pretty impressive. Um, and you got guys like the Blue Meanie on there, Stevie Richards, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys, ECW guys that, you know, I grew up watching, uh, you know, in their WWE days. But uh, there was a, a no show and they're running around going, well, you know, who do we, who do we put in against, you know, my trainer who uh, at the time was wrestling under the name Kid America. And uh, he's like, well, Chuck's here. I was, let's put him under a hood and let's have him wrestle. And if he shits the bed, he's got a mask on. Nobody knows who he is. I'm like, all right. So they come up to me and they're like, Hey, you're, you're, you're going to work. You're going to open up the match. And I'm shitting bricks. Uh, I just only have knee pads at this point. I hadn't been able to afford uh, wrestling boots. Um, this was March of 2014. I started training in October of 2013. So my training kind of got, it kind of got bumped up a little bit. So it wasn't a full year, but it was long enough to where, you know, Mike felt comfortable to be able to walk me through an opener to start off this big show. Now, I had no idea at the, at the time, you know, what kind of crowd that was going to be there. And, you know, I just knew from my days of helping with ring crew and doing security that independent shows roughly are, you know, 75, 150 people. And uh, I, uh, I'm back there. And I got the blue meanie back there and he's friends with Mike and they're all talking, chit-chatting. Mike's walking me through it. And I got, I got black snow boots because I didn't have wrestling boots. Uh, blue jeans, a white wife beater, and a black lucha mask with my blonde hair hanging out of the bottom of it. I looked like a jackass. And I was given a bull rope and I was told, you are the Texas hangman. You are from the 50-yard line at Dallas Stadium. South Philadelphia, you're from, you're from you know, Dallas Stadium. You're instantly the worst hated, most hated person in that building. Yeah. So, um, yeah. go out there and the second they announced who I was, where I was from, 700 and, what was it? 772 people. Yeah, I'll never forget the number. Because Mike, Mike was in Gorilla right before we were getting out. Turns around and goes, hey, uh, don't get used to this kid, but there's 700 plus people out there. So let's go kill it. And I was instantly like, oh, my God. What the fuck? <laughs> so I, I go out there. Music hits. They make the announcement. Instant hate. Just instant hate. I had a 10 year old telling me that he wanted to kill me. Oh, shit. That's 10 yeah. Years old. 10 years old. At least, at least in that 10, 10 to 12 bracket. I'm like, what the hell? Um, I, so I go out. I'm in the ring waiting for my, waiting for Kid America to come out. Uh, born in the USA, comes, comes blaring on the speaker. And uh, Mike lets the whole song play during his entrance. So he's, in this part of the crowd, this part of the crowd, up in these bleachers, this bleachers, big, big, huge American flag, whole crowd singing the song with them. It's amazing. I'm sitting there going, oh, my God, this is awesome. I'm shitting myself going, oh, my God, I just forgot everything that we just called. Everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we get in the ring. And at this point, like, I'm very much aware of how to use the ref because I'm, I was trained by a referee. So referee comes over. And does the whole, you know, check, see what I got, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, tell him I forgot everything. He goes back, checks on Mike. And he goes right back to me. He said, you're an idiot. And he's got you is what he told me. And I'm like, okay, cool. So Mike was fine. He 
called me an idiot. That's normally what he does. We're good. So we locked up and he called and walked me through everything. Um, except everything was great except for one part. Um, I was supposed to give him a gorilla slam into the corner and I slammed him and he chipped his tooth. And that cost him about $700 to get repaired. And to this day, he will never let me forget that I chipped his tooth in my debut match. Um, but other than that, the match went phenomenal because he was a true general and helped me through it, walked me through it. Um, I got the, the jitters of my first you know, time ever wrestling out of the way. And in front of 772 people, that's not a bad way to start. So yeah. any, any crowd after, ever since then, I'm, I'm pretty confident with it, you know, pretty comfortable. So... But uh, yeah, that was that was my first match, and then back to training. Just you know, treat it like it never happened. Back to training, and well, all right, let's let's keep developing, keep working, and then later on, probably I want to say maybe another four or five months. So we're looking at almost, about a year. Uh, I came in and I debuted finally as Chuck Payne. Then uh, did a storyline with another uh, kid, a uh, kid USA, who was the Kid America's you know, little. Uh, it, it was a, his Robin to the Batman kind of deal. Uh, beat the crap out of him, took his mask off, revealed that he was my brother. Then we did the Kyle Chuck Payne brother team. And then we ran with that for a few years. And yeah, that was, that was really, you know, that was a really good time. Um, I want to say that was probably uh, the best way that you can probably debut is, is, is in a tag team because that's where you learn the most. You're not in the match the whole time. You get to sit back and watch other already trained wrestlers, already, you know, wrestlers who know what they're doing. You get to sit back and you get to watch them up close, up personal. And then when it is your time, you don't have eight to 10 minutes to try to remember. You have maybe two to three minutes to try to remember. And then you get that down and that down and then so forth and so on. And, you know, I, I'm very, very lucky uh, as far as, you know, my debut and how I got, how I broke into it and, started to learn how to become, you know, a professional wrestler. So. What do you think the award, like the sex appeal of death matches are for the audience? Ooh, death matches. First you talk about, you know, you had your old ECW, well, first you had your Japan death matches, yes. then ECW, then XPW tried to take off. Yeah. Now today you have like CZW, you have the game changing wrestling organization. Yep. And you have XPW trying to make a comeback. What, why do you think it's so like, it's so popular about death matches these days? Just a society that we live in, or? Well, I mean, ask yourself what was so popular about the gladiator days. You know, what was so popular about watching, you know, men and women go in there and uh, you know potentially fight to the death. You know that what was, what was so entertaining about that? You know, you're literally watching a human being either lose their life or take a life um for a form of entertainment uh violence uh, excitement you know the the adrenaline rush um either whether you're in it or you're watching it you know you you, you feel it um the 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 background story from my understanding and, and from what i you know have been taught over the years is when the japan wrestlers would come to america you know late mid or mid to late 80s uh they're down in Texas and Tennessee's and the, you know, the, the Southern states, which the Southern states were more uh, of the hardcore brawling style wrestling. But you look at those brawling matches, maybe, maybe a chair shot, 
you know, maybe, maybe a couple of trash cans and stuff like that, but there was nothing, there was no setup. It was just two men going in there. And then next thing you know, they're out in the crowd and they're just grabbing anything and everything they can and just hitting each other with it. It's just all chaos. There was no, uh, there was no, no structure behind it. There was no, you know, planned, you know, spots, uh, so to speak. So you got these Japan guys that are coming in here and they're going, oh man, this is awesome. And they take that back to Japan and they go, huh, well, let's, let's switch it up. Let's, let's add a little bit. Let's create a little bit more of an element to it. Then you get your, you know, your no rope barbed wire matches, your exploding death matches. You know, Japan really uh, took that to a whole new element. And then you got guys like Terry Funk and Mick Foley that will now bring that back to America. And, you know, you already got your hardcore with the ECWs and, you know, the WWF was starting to break into it a little bit, but it wasn't really, in my opinion, and again, this is just my opinion. It wasn't really until Mick Foley comes back from Japan and that you start to really see flaming tables and your, your cage matches with barbed wire and your, you know, flaming two by fours and thumbtacks and stuff, you know, I think he really kind of brought that, you know, to the mainstream at least, you know, in his, with his days in WWF and ECW. Um, but today, uh, I don't know. I mean, you know, Game Changer, GCW is probably the fastest growing, highest gross, you know, deathmatch company in, in the world. This came out of nowhere and shot right up. Yeah, big time. There's a lot of people that will say a lot of bad things about um, Lauderdale, Brett Lauderdale, who, who's the owner of GCW. Um, you know, whether you know him personally or not, you know, me personally, I, I don't have many interactions with him. I can't really tell you what kind of person he is. I just have stories, but I will tell you that he, that he, there's, you can't take away his credit, the credit, credit due, you know, credit is due. He, he did a lot of work. He has created GCW and he's able to put it on a platform and build that platform. Um, and now he's traveling across the, you know, the country and even the world sometimes, you know, and he's doing really good for himself. I mean, he just he just sold out, you know, the the famous, you know, Hammerstein, at, you know, over twenty five hundred people there. You know, doesn't seem like a lot, but on the independent scene, that's that's a big big deal, and you can't take that away from him. And you know, hats off. Um, however, being um, this past July, doing a uh, GCW H two O kind of cross. Uh, promotion show in Atlantic City and we're getting ready to do one this upcoming Sunday. Um, being there the night before watching the GCW show, there's really not a whole lot of uh, typical wrestling fans in the GCW crowd. It's a lot of uh, a lot of people that like to party, uh, drink, have a good time and just watch watch dudes just beat the living shit out of each other. GCW crowd back in the old days. Yep. I guarantee you, if, if you ask about 50% of the crowd, the GCW crowd, you know, hey, you know, growing up watching wrestling, who was your favorite wrestler? They probably would never, they, they probably wouldn't be able to tell you anybody because they never really grew up watching wrestling. They just see the excitement and the violence and the craziness and the hectic and like, oh, it's a BYOB atmosphere. Hell yeah, I'm there. But as far as them actually watching wrestling and being a true fan of professional wrestling, um, probably not a whole lot. Uh, in my opinion, you know, whereas H2O, yeah, you, you, you grew up watching wrestling, you're watching H2O because H2O is giving you that old style ECW-esque feel where you're going to get your hardcore matches, you're going to get your death matches, but you're also going to get your storylines and you're going to get your 
grappling wrestling, your old school style, two men going in there and having a wrestling match. Um, you're going to have your storylines and every aspect of professional wrestling you get at an H2O show. You know, and I'm, and I'm putting that over huge, not just because I work for him, but because I truly believe that, you know, what Matt Fremont is doing is, you know, he's not doing violence for the sake of violence, whereas, you know, a lot of the companies like, like the GCWs and the CZWs will fall into that, you know, all right, let's just stack a bunch of light tubes up and drop two people on there, but there's no hate between the two people, so why would they want to kill each other? But it'll be, it'll look cool, so let's just do it. And, you know, Matt Tremont is going, no, there needs to be a purpose. There needs to be a reason why I want to pick somebody up and throw them over my head down a balcony onto a bunch of light tubes that could potentially slice an artery and kill them. So, you know. It's like me watching the old school uh, Sean Claude Van Damme movies. You don't watch, you don't have them go to prison and say like, oh, I'm just going to sit here in prison just because I want three hots in a cot. No, he goes in there because he's undercover. You want to see him kick some ass. There's a yep. reason behind it. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Also, also, I read not too long ago that I read that the top 10 most profitable wrestling promotions of last year and GCW was number three. Yep. I was like, WWE was number one. Okay. No, that's a big shock. Impact was number two. And I was like, okay, they started the whole forbidden door opening, got more eyes in the prize. Okay. Last year, I can see it being a big year for them. Mm. And GCW was number three. Yep. AEW was number five. And I was just like, because every time GCW has an event, I'm helping out the whole the old folks at the bingo hall. You know, I'm doing my once a month good deed thing. Right. And it always sucks. GCW needs to do an event where I'm not bingoing, and that's beyond when I'm home. Yep. Yeah. So it's I mean, the proof. The proof is right there. The proof is right there. You know, whatever whatever they're doing, and whatever attention that they've been able to grab. You know, they they grabbed them and they they took that ball and they're running with it. So, like I said, you know, whatever whatever personal feelings you know towards that company as a whole or individuals in that company, you can't take away you know what they've been able to accomplish. So, you know, from myself to them, hats off, congratulations. I also think GCW also saved Matt Cardona's career because he's just out of WWE. People think he's entertainment, like a cartoon character. And right away, he went to death matches. Yep. And he took, I mean, he wasn't like state, I mean, he really took blows after blows. I mean, he really did gain yeah. some respect. And I think yeah. if he didn't go that route, he'll be doing okay, but not. Not what he's doing uh, right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's another thing. Deathmatch world, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's such a, such a, a gray line between, you know, you know, reality and, and, you know, what we're doing, you know, portraying in, in that ring and on these shows. And, uh, you know, you, there's really not a, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Um, there's not, there's not much of a, a barrier between, you know, Hey, you know, don't go, don't cross this line. Deathmatch world. Go ahead. Cross that line. Because we want to get the attention, we want to get the buzz, we want to get as many people going "What the fuck as possible," because that's when you get the "I need to see what happens next." And I think Cordona having that uh, that leeway and that that option to be able to cross that line, um, whether you know whether you agree with it or not, whether you think it was good the good decision, bad decision or not, he did it, he made it, and you know he's doing pretty good for himself right now. So I can't. 
I thought yeah. it was great when he popped up. I, I yeah. was like, that's balls. And I listened to his um on Chalk is Jericho about you know the week after being that death match about like one of the things he says is let me know if it's true or not. After you are in a death match, when you get up in the middle of the night or the next day, it looks like there's a crime scene in, in your bed because all yeah. the back and everything like that just, just oozes and bleeds throughout the night. So if if you ever seen the movie Psycho, it's yeah. pretty accurate. Yeah, it's pretty accurate with the blood going down the drain uh, when you get out of these matches. You know, um, my uh, when I was when I was debuting at H two O, not not to change the subject and talk about me right now, but go ahead, go uh, ahead, go ahead. To give you a perfect example, um, you know, I'm I'm probably a year year and a half in at H two O. I was their their mid card, which would be I guess the their equivalent to the Intercontinental title, which is called their hybrid title. Um, and I, really good, really good title run, but I wasn't, I wasn't really grasping the the fans' attention because I wasn't doing death matches. Um, you know, maybe a hardcore match here and there, but I wasn't really getting into that, that realm to be able to show these fans like, hey, you know, I am capable of getting down and down and crazy. So towards the end of that run, uh, you know, I go in, Matt's like, hey, you know, the original plan was for me to go over and, and keep defending the belt, but he comes up to me. He's like, "Hey, how do you feel about dropping the belt to this kid?" And the next thing, you the mic and call out Slack. Sure. So, <laughs> drop the belt. The kid, kid, kid wins the hybrid championship, which was the better decision because he could go out with his friends and have, you know, banger of matches left and right. And then that gives me the opportunity to call out at the time Slack, who, if you've never heard of Slack, uh, I've heard. Of, oh yeah, I've heard of him. All right. Yeah. So that was my first ever death match was against Slack. And that's quite something about throwing you in the fire. Goddamn right. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. the, first, the first thing I saw of this guy, a friend of mine came over and was like, you know, you got to watch this. And I watched him take a staple gun, some guy's whip on a turnbuckle, just go boom. And you see the fucking thing. I was like, holy fucking shit. I was like, yep. Excuse yep. my language, old guy, but it was just one of those like, holy jeez. Exactly, and it got your attention, right? Now, now you're now you want to see more, or or for that, or you know, for some of the people that are like, no, I don't want to see anymore because that's that's crazy. Well, I Matt Matt Tremont explained it to me. He's like, you know, you really need to show these fans, you know, what you're what you can do and get get in a deathmatch realm, and you know, he's the best person to go against, and you know, you guys are both big dudes and. So, all right, you know, let's go. Let's, let's make it happen. And the, that night, um, you know, very awesome guy. I, I, I love Slack. And he's, you know, somebody who I earned his respect that night. And as, you know, he already had mine going into it. But um, he really helped kind of open my eyes a little bit and walk me through it. You know, hey, do's and don'ts. And um, there was, you know, there was a scene. This was, uh, this, this was the one and only show that H2O was on Fight TV. So my parents were able to watch it at home. I wasn't really, you know, as, as open, you know, of what to expect with them, but uh, yeah, so Schlack does the, the, he's, he's got a famous, you know, put the plastic bag over the head and suffocate you and he's got a screwdriver and he's stabbing you with the screwdriver and all of a sudden the bag just fills with blood and then we're bashing each other with light tubes and throwing each other on the glass and thumbtacks and Mother uh, Schlack, Schlack puts me over. And he, he, he did the job and he, you know, he put me over, helped me, helped me get over with the uh, deathmatch crowd. And uh, I can't thank him enough. 
but yeah, it was a bloody violent mess. And my parents were not happy when they were sitting at home watching. My cousins were down in Maryland. They were watching. They were, they were like, holy shit. Um, but no, I can honestly say, you know, anytime you get in there, you know, glass, thumbtacks, barbed wire, you're going to get cut. It is, and some are going to be deeper than others. Um, my forehead, I got, I don't know if you can see, you know, the couple scars right here. I got some gashes here. Um, you know, accidents happen, you know, but again, you, you know, the risk going into it. If you're not willing to take that risk, you know, don't do it because you got to be fully committed. And if you're not, that's when accidents happen for real and people really get hurt. Um, but yeah, you feel it for a while. You definitely feel it for a while. And the smell of the iron pouring out for you when you're in the shower and it's just nothing, you know, blood and hot water coming down, you know, the, the smell can get to you if you're not quite used to it. And the stinging and the tingling and, you know, the, Got to, got to roll over in bed, but now you have all these open wounds and cuts. You feel it if you feel it, and you know the first the first night or two is a little uncomfortable because you know you're you're not quite used to it. Um, but you, eventually you do get used to it, and you know what to do. You know how to clean up and keep yourself clean from getting infected, and you know get the wounds taken care of and and keep on moving. You know sometimes you guys do two or three of them in one night and two or three in one weekend and. You know, you just, you gotta, you gotta be able to just keep it, keep it moving, just suck it up and keep it moving. You know. Did your family know, knew the opponent you were facing? Nope. Or it was this one like big surprise. Like they come in, they're like, oh, my dad explained it to me um, when he was sitting there watching, because I, I told him, you know, I told him it was going to be a death match. It was going to be a little violent, but I didn't tell him to the extent of, what the violent was going to bring up, but uh, I, I, I get back, I open my phone and I got 12 mixed uh, text messages from him and he's literally texting me through the match. So I'm out. He's like, Hey buddy, you look good. Then Schlack comes out. Holy shit. This guy looks nuts. Then the bag happens. Oh my God, what the fuck are you doing? And then the light tubes break out. Stop doing this right the fuck now. Uh, and then it's just, you know, next thing he's texting me. Like I'm literally getting the text messages in the match. Like I'm reading the text. Like, no, like I'm not reading it. I'm doing it. And then I get back and I read all the messages and I realize, like, oh God, this is going to be an awkward phone call. So I call him. He's like, don't ever do that again. And I said, I'm okay. Just letting you know. But yeah, you're right. He's like, don't ever do that again. I did it again. You know, yeah. An adrenaline rush, you know, but again, I'm not getting in there and doing death matches just to do death matches. You know, there's, there's a purpose behind it. Um, I think the next, uh, the next big death match uh, that I did was a blow off for me and Chondo, um, which was a last man standing match shortly after. Uh, that was a big story. Um, you know, that was my debut match in H2O. We've had two matches prior to the H2O debut. There's a, there's a sense of like, I'm the undertaker. He's McFoley kind of deal. Like it's just, he's that, that thorn in my back that takes the fight to me and is somebody that you wouldn't, you know, expect to take the fight to me, but he does. And it's somebody that's like, I got to get rid of this guy for once, once and for all. So we do the last man standing match and there's the tubes and the, th and the tax and all the craziness, but there was a purpose behind it. And then the next time I got in there was um, the hardcore kingdom tournament. Uh, hardcore kingdom four i believe um that was my first ever hardcore kingdom tournament but again it was a tournament it was to win the accolade of being hardcore kingdom winner 
Um, other than that, it's my my style with hardcore is very late '90s style. You know, I did a I did a match against Declan Grant last year for WrestleMania weekend, and we told 12, 12 15 minute story, and we only used one chair, one bag of tacks, and one door, and that was it. And we we were we were given the accolade of match of the night. That was it. You know, we didn't go out there and do crazy, crazy spots left and right. It was, you know, all spaced out. It was told right. It was done right. And you don't you don't need to go out there and kill yourself and break thousands of tubes and panes of glass to go out there and, you know, have a great, crazy hardcore match. But every once in a while, you kind of need to. And that's okay. And that's kind of where I stand on, you know, the deathmatch scene is... You know, I'll get crazy when I need to get crazy, but only when it makes sense. You know, if you need me to go out there and do hardcore matches, that's the style of hardcore matches I do. But I can make little things and small things and I can make, you know, less is more mean something. You know, that's that's kind of what I've been known for. And, and you know, I pride myself on is, you know, yeah, I don't need to go out there and have 12, 12 different spots called or five different tables stacked up and crap like that i don't need it but i can do it only if it makes sense well that makes sense to me i mean that logic makes sense to me so what's the hardest object you've ever been hit with Ooh. or one that's been like really memorable like holy fuck oh uh, man I want to. I want to say, uh, not maybe not the hardest, but the uh, the one that was like really like kind of taking aback. Like I I got hit with it. And I'm like, whoa. Um, <laughs> there was a uh, the the last H2O show we did. Um, it was uh, Hustle and Gold. We did a uh, tournament night, so uh, all first round matches were all singles, one on ones. The winners of those, all four, would then go to uh, a fatal four way TLC match. Now, when we say TLC on the indies, you know, you get, if you're lucky, you, you, you'll see a couple doors or, you know, whatever rigged as tables. You don't see tables as often on the independent scene these days. And we were actually lucky enough to get our hands on a lot of tables. So we actually had tables and it was your, it was an actual traditional tables, ladders and chairs match. Now we were discussing like, okay, you know, there's, there's another hardcore match kind of, you know, death matchy feel match prior to us. So we don't need to go crazy. We don't need to get any color. Um, let's just go out there and do our spots and have a TLC match. And uh, we all agreed on that. So there's, there's a, a, a tin, I can't even describe it, but it, it's one of those tin style aluminum uh, trays. It's a football tray that Matt had under the ring for whatever reason. And there was an ongoing joke uh, that I, I had made. Um, I don't know if you ever seen the movie, The Replacements. Yep, I have. When the, when the, uh, the kicker, the, the guy from England, he's in the bar fight, he goes to kick the guy in the face. And before he does it, he says, let's play football, bitch. Well, I'm cutting a promo for Massachusetts and I grabbed this football tray and that was the first thing that popped in my head. So I just, let's play football, bitch. Matt lost it. He loved it. So ever since then, he's been, you know, it's an ongoing joke. Long story short, Matt puts that in the ring. Tables, ladders, chairs, and a football tin. Just for me. Just to, just to rib me. Well, I grabbed it, and I used it 
and we're getting ready for another spot. And Ron Mathis is now who's Ron Mathis. If you haven't heard of him, uh, he's the guy from Ohio. He is wow. phenomenal, right? He is like, if, he goes out there and he's a team player, 100%. If you need him to be a heel, he is a true heel. If you need him to be a face, he can flip that switch and be a great face. And I love working with Ron, but he's also a strong, deceivingly strong man. So he does a spot where he's, we got all the chairs laid out in a big pile and he picks me up and goes to do a fall away slam, but the chairs needed to be moved out a little bit. So he needed to buy some time so that he then grabs this big football tin. It thracks me in the head. I didn't know it was coming. I had my head down and he hit me so hard. It sounded like a gunshot. I didn't feel anything. Like it, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a, like a, holy crap, like I'm rocked. It was a thwack, holy shit, that was loud. But then I got the blood, instant, just instant. Apparently it was a little, little dented and a rivet was sticking out and the metal cut me right in the top of the, top of the skull. I still have a hole in my head. And it was, it, it would, it was bleeding for quite a while. A couple of days after I, I'd feel it still kind of oozing out a little bit. But uh, that was, that was probably the one thing I was like, wow, holy shit. Um, I don't know if I need stitches or if I need to go to the hospital kind of, kind of hit, but everything else has been very, you know, you know, what's coming, you know how to protect yourself. Um, I want to say maybe the, the hardest thing I've ever been hit with is a stop sign. Yeah. Stop, stop sign has been the hardest thing, but the one thing that's gotten me to the point where it's like, man, I might need to go get stitches. I might need to get, get to the hospital or something has been that, that football team. Everything else has been, I know it's coming. I know how to take it, know how to protect myself and the guy in there knows what they're doing. So, but yeah, those, those would be the two things that, you know, would, would get me thinking like, oh man, this sucks. So, is it true that being hit with the white bulb is really dangerous because you can like inhale the mercury? Yes. So much? Yep. Like the uh, inhaling the dust and the chemicals in there is, is extremely dangerous. Um, also, if the, the tube itself doesn't break the right way, or if it breaks, or if it does break the right way, unfortunately, um, it, now you have a giant sword that can slice an artery, um, you know, penetrate yourself, like anything, anything you go wrong in wrestling period. All right. But then you start adding other elements into it, like as such as a light tube, um, Connor Claxton is, is one name that comes to my mind and he, was a CZW guy, and he had told me this was prior to me even thinking about wanting to get into a death match. Match. Um, he had a bundle of tubes in the corner. The guy was sitting in the corner, and he goes in and does his running knee. As he hit the knee, the way the tube broke, it then stuck and penetrated into his kneecap. Oof. Yeah. And then the second one was another. He was a, a very good friend of mine, uh, G Raver. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Um, he's a GCW H2O guy. Uh, he does a match with Jimmy Lloyd, does a, a pile driver brain buster on top of a ladder, but on top of that ladder was also a bundle of tubes. And the way that it broke, the tube then sliced his entire bicep. And now he went eight months without having the use of his left hand. He's slowly getting back to it, but he still has very little, little to zero mobility and feeling in his left hand. And he almost died. Um, Nick Gage, if you're familiar with that, his name, he I almost heard about, died. I heard about his yep, yep. So those are the three that are that are top off of my head that I know for a fact that you know light tubes almost ended somebody's life, let alone their career. So 
Uh, I try I try to avoid them as much as possible. And if I do use them, I'm not using them in, in the abundance um, that people would to be in a situation like that. Um, but yeah, light tubes, you know, call me, call me what you want. If you want to call me a bitch about it, that's fine. I, I, I will give respect to those who, who continue to use them to this day, but um, I personally will not take the risk if it's not necessary. Yeah, people call you a bitch. Meanwhile, meanwhile, they see the flame of you like in your head split open, the blood coming down. <laughs> there's, there's a bitch right there as he's right. like smiling, like it was instant, man. It was instant. Like it, he just hit me. I'm like, oh man, that was nice. And then just I see just red dripping. I'm like, oh man, he got me. And it was just it was pouring, pouring, and I did it all scabbed up on the top of my head. And I, yeah, it was it was bad. It was bad, but uh. Yeah, like I said, you know, I, I will give all credit where credit is due to people that use light tubes and do their spots and stuff. But uh, like, like I said, you know, I unless it is absolutely necessary, if it is absolutely needed and the person that I'm in there with is that I can trust. And even then uh, accidents happen. Even then something can go wrong. You never know. You know, something that could be completely out of your control and their control um, could very well lead to a, a, a bad situation that could cost you your career or your life, you know? So, you know, I, I always, I always try to make sure I let, you know, the younger kids coming up that, you know, are like, oh man, deathmatch, deathmatch, deathmatch. Like, yeah, hey, it's awesome and it's great. And you can tell a great story and it's awesome, beautiful artwork, but understand the risks, you know, yeah. please understand the, the risks, so. Yeah, so when you like on YouTube and you see like backyard wrestling, like two like, yeah. kids, you probably cringe every time. Like I don't even watch them. I don't, I, don't, I don't even give them the benefit of a view, you know, those guys, I mean, but at the same time, though, I can't really fault them because I was doing the same thing. You know, I was, I was with my friends climbing off uh, our sheds and jumping off each other, doing backyard wrestling. But there's, there comes a time where it's like, Hey, you know, if you really want to get to that extravagant, like go to, go to a school, you really want to do this, come to a school. There's plenty of, uh, learn how to do it, learn how to do it the right way. Um, because if you continue to do this backyard stuff, like, yeah, you know, a lot of, a lot of these kids do some pretty extreme extravagant things with, you know, the little bit of, you know, stuff that they have, um, they, they, they obviously love it, but be respectful to the guys that are, you know, paying their dues and actually in the business and, and did it the right way and come go join a school, you know, learn how to do it the right way. The, that the same match, the uh, the TLC match, the Hustle and Gold. Um, I'm a huge uh, TLC mark, right? So the Bubba Ray Matt Hardy bump at WrestleMania 17 when they take do yeah. do the tip out to the uh, to the tables. Well, I did that. Uh, we were able to get five tables stacked up, and you know I took that bump, and I you know I did it because it needed to happen in the match, but I also did it because I was I just that was a bucket list bucket list spot for me to do. Um, mm -hmm but I have eight years of being a trained professional under my belt before I was able to do that spot, you know? And that's what a lot of people need to understand when they first join this business is that like, yeah, you have a mindset on how you want to be, where you want to be, what you want to do, but there's uh, a, there's certain uh, a ladder that you need to climb, so to speak. You know, you gotta, you gotta climb each rung one at a time, take your time, learn, you know, eventually you'll get there. But if you don't do it the right way and you rush, you know, you're going to, you're going to either shorten your career before it even starts, or you're never going to, you know, be a true professional and you'll still do it in a back, 
you know, backyard stuff. And yeah, you may end up making a couple, you know, views on YouTube, but at what expense, you know? So, so after your career is over and done with, how would you like to, how would your legacy be remembered as? You'd have to ask other people. <laughs> um, what I, what I would like it to be remembered as um, just somebody that no matter what, no matter where I was or wasn't, how far I've gotten or how little I grew in this business. Um, I always had respect, you know, respect for the guys that did it before me, um, whether I liked them personally or not. Um, respect for the, the people that have paid, you know, took time out of their schedule and their career to help me, you know, whether it was advice or, you know, put me over in a match or, you know, anything. Um, that I was also that person as well to others, you know, where I was able to give advice to people. I, t I tell people all the time, especially at the H2O school, you know, I, I will always give advice uh, with pure intentions. Okay, there's a lot of guys that will give advice to these young kids that, and I've, I've been a victim of it, um, that will give advice that will not necessarily help them, but it more along the lines kinds of, you know, keeps them at bay. So that way these older guys cannot, they don't have to step down and give these kids an opportunity. They give advice, you know, they kind of steer them in one way to kind of get them out of the way and, you know, keep doing what you're doing. No, I, I want these kids to be able to step up and take the role of, H2O champ and, you know, be in these main event pictures and have these great matches and do these awesome moments and build H2O long after I'm not there. Um, but I want them to do it the right way. And I want them to also realize that, you know, yeah, hey, listen, you know, I'm, I want you guys to take, take my, take my place and fill my shoes. But when I'm ready, I'll step out, you know, don't rush me. However, until that day comes, I will make sure that I'm giving you the advice and teaching you the ways that I was taught to help you get to that position and then even further. Um, but I also make sure that they know that, listen, my advice may not necessarily work for you. You know, you'll get advice from other people that they may turn around and say, hey, you know, that advice doesn't work. That's that may be the case. You know, I could give advice that works for this person, but it doesn't work for that person. I could give advice that, you know, may help this person and they may get it and the other person may not get it. Um, it you know, everybody in wrestling all comes from different walks of life, uh, different backgrounds, different home lives, you know. So, yeah, I could give advice to some person that, you know, they may get it and understand it and it works for them. I give that same advice to another person and it doesn't work for them. But I don't want that person to think that I was giving them bad advice. My advice will always come from a good place with pure intentions. If it works for them, great. If not, keep asking. Other people will give you advice that will work for you. But I just want them, everybody to know, basically, long story short, I want my legacy to know for people to remember me by is that I always wanted to help the younger generation come in and fill the shoes of us and, you know, so forth and so on. Uh, I never wanted to, you know, steer anybody in the wrong direction. I always wanted to make sure that people who will fill my, my shoes when my time is done, uh, fill those shoes and then some. So I guess, I guess that would be the best way I can describe it. So what do you have coming up? You, Chuck Payne and H2O have coming up. So uh, our next uh, show at H2O um, is going to be uh, Atlantic City at the Showboat Casino. Um, Barbwire City Showdown. Um, it's a Sunday, Sunday, one o'clock bell time. Um, 
we are going to be, it'll be live on IWTV, I believe. Um, if not, uh, I apologize. Um, it's been, been a little while. So yeah, we're, we're on, we are on IWTV. We have, you know, either live streaming uh, the day of the show or the, um, the library on there as well. So you can go back and watch any H2O show from basically the past five years. Um, but then after that, well, next Friday, we'll be back in Williamstown, New Jersey, which is the home base, home location of H2O. And we'll have um, uh, the, the name of the show has not been determined yet, I believe, but it's going to then basically be the blow off for the big title picture that we're doing. And that will set motion into the following months into the summer because summer's really the, the make or break lately. You know, we, we do pretty good in the winter and then the off season when, you know, holidays take place, we kind of have a little downtime. And then uh, from February till spring, we're rocking and rolling. Spring, we usually kick off with a new story, new storyline, new direction. And uh, March will be the Hardcore Kingdom, uh, which is a, I can honestly say the only thing, the only thing I can say really is don't miss the Hardcore Kingdom when that gets announced. That'll be at the end of March, March 25th, I believe. It sounds like a cool event as is. Just yes. I don't like it when it's like you know, stays tuned. It's like I want to know now. <laughs> no, that's that's the one thing that I will not ever ever do is uh, you know drop drop uh, information on the upcoming shows. But I will I will tell you though that the 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 next the next three events for H two O AC following Friday and then definitely Hardcore Kingdom uh, that whole weekend. I, I can tell you it's going to be a three day three day weekend. Um, don't, don't, I'm, I'm all big about, you know, I want to be like the regular rest of the fans knowing when they find out. I don't, right, right, I don't know. Right. I don't like being either head scoop. I just don't like that. I like to be like, it's a regular wrestling fan. Yeah. I like, I like to be surprised, you know, yeah. but it's, it's organic, you know, and I, I'm the, I, I, that's why, you know, JR is one of my favorite uh, ring announcers because, he, he never really, he never wanted to know what the finishes were. He never wanted to know what was coming because he wanted to have an organic reaction, you know, and I'll be honest with you. I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but JR is one of the best to do it, you know, in my, in my opinion, but, uh, and that was, if that's how he did it by, you know, knowing and or knowing up to a certain point and then allowing himself to find out organically and have his reactions be genuine, um, yeah, man, that, that's, you know, that, that's what, that's what it's all about. And I think that's, that's one of, that's my issue with today's wrestling is that so many people just want to know. Yeah. Want to know everything right now. You know, it's like, and I mean, they, they have all the information in the palm of their hands. So yeah, it's so easy to, you know, find things that get leaked or whatnot, but that takes away the excitement, you know, it takes away yeah. the excitement. I, and I mean, I, I, I grew up, 90, 98, 99 was around the time that I really started getting into the wrestling. So I was peak, peak attitude era when I was really watching it and into it, you know, so, and I didn't know anything. I didn't know what to expect. I just, I turned on the TV every Monday and every Thursday and what, what happened happened and who came back, came back. And, you know, it's, I just, I don't know, but like nowadays, it's like everybody knows what's going on in next year's Royal Rumble, you know, it's I like, know. Jesus, like we just got done the first one, like this, you know, this past one. You know, I kind of watered down the event knowing some of the spoilers, and you're just like, okay, I'm watching it, but yeah, yeah I already know what's going it, on. And and they kind of like I I haven't watched um, 
WWE products probably since uh, Taker and AJ at the WrestleMania, um, <clears throat> which it's, yeah, it's just because nothing really has drawn my attention, but also because I've been so preoccupied with the stories that, you know, we're doing here at H2O. Um, but I'll go on, I'll go on my phone, Twitter, Instagram, and I'll just scroll through and I'll know everything that happened on a Monday night raw within five minutes, you know, cause everybody's tweeting about it, talking about it. So what's the point in going back and watching it? I already know the finals. I already know, you know, who won and who lost and what's the point, you know? So where can everyone find you on social media? Um, so Facebook, uh, just Chuck Payne. Um, I'm, I'm not really on there as much Instagram, um, at the monster Chuck Payne, uh, and Twitter, uh, the Chuck Payne one. Um, I basically, you know, I'm not really big on social media, uh, as I should be nowadays, you know, but I am on there as much as possible, uh, updating, uh, upcoming shows and, you know, different events and, uh, try to, you know, try to stay in, in touch with everybody and what's going, what's happening in the wrestling world, especially, you know, in the independent scene and, you know, what, what, what affects uh, H2O directly and stuff. So, you know, but um, yeah, I'd, more followers, the better, you know, obviously, but I, it'll always be updated uh, when, where, how, you know, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty boring. I'll give you a heads up. I'm, I don't really, I don't really post a lot of interesting things, you know, or at least what, what I find interesting. Um, but yeah, it's, you know, give it, give it a quick follow and I'd get my numbers up there make me look a little bit more important than what I am. And that would be appreciated. But if not, I, I understand. So well, boring or not, in my opinion, in the world of death matches, you are definitely undisputed and undefeated in that territory. Thank you very much for your time, Mr. Payne. Appreciate it. Look forward to catching you. Anytime there's a, like an event or a promo you want me to push for you, just shoot me a DM. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think a lot of people, when I say that to people, they think that this is like a podcatcher scheme. This yeah. is how I make my money and stuff. No, it's not. I just put it up there and you know you say, hey, I can use it. Great. I promote yeah. it. I put it part of my podcast. It's great. It's like a win-win situation. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, but listen, uh, you know, especially in this, this, in this business as a whole, but especially at this level, you know, it's really a lot about one hand washes the other. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, you help me get my shows out there. I help you get your podcast out there. And however, however we, you know, do it. I mean, me personally, yeah, I'm in a position right now where since the pandemic, uh, professional wrestling is my income. That is my sole source of how I make my money these days and how I provide for, you know, my fiance and my, and, you know, her kids and whatnot. Um, you know, but yeah, I mean, you know, if, if I could help somebody out in the process, and put their stuff over and, you know, put my stuff on hold in order to help that. I know that one day that person's going to then return the favor. So yeah, absolutely. You know, I, 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 you know, I give you your information out, you give my information out, one hand washes the other, you know? Oh yeah. Easily. It's my pleasure doing it for all this stuff. I mean, you take blows from all sorts of different objects is the least I can do. I appreciate that. It's like YouTube for free. And it's like, I can always say, go watch this stuff because, you know, right. Right. I have a big gash on his head. It's like, yeah. you'll find a bad, you know? Awesome. Well, I'll, I'll definitely just make sure I'm just sending the H2O stuff out there because it's not just me on these shows. There's a lot of young upcoming talent and a lot of talent that hasn't been seen or heard of in a while that are out here killing it that many people don't even realize are back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, H2O as a whole is definitely a, a must watch, you know, for all, all aspects of wrestling. 
Um, yeah. So yeah, I'll definitely make sure, you know, send you that information, get these guys, get these names out there and help, help everybody as a whole. Did I switch it over to podcasting as well? I mean, if yeah. it's the same as people go like, well, doing like a promo on over a podcast sounds a little strange. Yeah. I can at least say, hey, you know what? What are you doing? Right. Nothing. I'm at least right. trying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I never said I knew what I was doing. Right. Right. <laughs> no, no, I'm glad I'm doing. Chuck Payne, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank Be you. Be safe out there and we'll keep yep. in touch. You got it. Thank you. I take care. Bye.